0: Hey everybody, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to episode 284 of Scale Up. So you're in for a treat today because I have my good friend on the show, Mr. Ken Eslick. Now I met Ken back in 2018 when I was on my own journey, if you like, of personal development and self-discovery and for those of you who've listened to the show for a while, you know that I ventured into the realm of Tony Robbins and that sort of thing. I actually met Ken at one of the Tony Robbins events that I attended and that was date with destiny and he was one of the leadership coaches there at the time now we connected and, and got on extremely well because our journey to that place was very similar you see Ken was a very successful guy in the corporate world big titles big salaries not dissimilar to kind of where I was at but from I suppose from the outside looking in, you would look at Ken and, and my life at the time and say high levels of achievement, but internally we weren't fulfilled, right? And if, you, if you've got this situation where you have high achievement, no fulfillment, you don't feel great, right? And, and unless you've been there, it's hard to describe, even though in the first part of this episode today, we, we definitely try to do that. But once you realize that you can have achievement and fulfillment, you know, you can live in congruence with your values, Everything changes. And what we discussed today on the show is this concept of personal leadership and the mindset that's required around personal leadership. And and you know, one of my favorite sayings being that you can only scale a business to the level of your identity. Well, that all starts with understanding who you are, what makes you tick, what lights you up, you know, what your purpose and your mission is. And I see a lot of people they either write to me here on the show or sometimes I see them out when I'm at events and they always come up and ask that question about you know how do you make that shift if i'm doing something right now and it doesn't feel again congruent with who i am how do you make that shift well for me it started with you know going to those events and meeting people like ken
1: i didn't have all the answers i'm not saying that but what i did know is that there were answers
0: So that's the first part of the the conversation. The second part is what does it take to be a great leader? What does it take to be a leader that is building a big, sizable business with impact? So we're gonna get into those different things because what Ken does now is exactly that. He finds leadership for organizations. He goes in there and looks at what capability is required and he's very, very good at assessing, if you like, people who can go into organizations and make big things happen
1: the strongest force in the human personality is to stay consistent with our own identity however we define ourselves
0: so that is the episode it's a great conversation he's a very very good friend of mine as i said sit back relax and enjoy episode 284 with mr ken esley Hey, everybody. It is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to scale up for another week. I have just got back from literally a month away. So if I'm a bit rusty here today, I apologize. But I can tell you what, um, our guest today, a good friend of mine, will make sure that I am on top form. (laughs) Ken Eslick, welcome to the show.
1: What's up, Nick? I am going to make sure you're on top form. A month is too long to be gone, dude. You've got some some work to do. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, what's funny about it, right, so when when Ken and I met, and we'll get into this a little bit, um, I was at a Tony Robbins event, and Ken was one of the leadership there, so he was effectively coaching us to go through, um, how should we describe it, a certain experience. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like I have to be on my toes a bit because you pushed me that week, and it was great, right, obviously it helped me massively in terms of what's happened since, and I'm grateful for that, so yeah, hopefully you don't have to push me too much today.
1: No, man. And it, it was it was so great back then. I mean, you know, in a sea of, uh, you know, 4,000 people or however many people were there that you and I ended up on a team. We formed a friendship there and uh, have had it ever since, man. And I, yeah. I, I think that was the beginnings of this,
0: if I remember right. It was, and it was yeah. Date With Destiny was the event. And yeah. for those of you, I know I know a lot of listeners have kind of um, explored the world of Tony Robbins and personal development. So a lot of people have been to those events. A lot of people reach out to me and ask, should I go? And I always go, well, do you think you should go? <laughs> you yeah. know, as a, I was kind of called to it. But just to kind of unpack a little bit of this. So in a kind of sort of weird serendipitous type of thing, like Ken and I became friends pretty quickly because we connected on a, I think, similar... Uh, journey to that place. And we'll talk about your journey as well as we go through today. And um, and I was kind of trying to get some insights of how do you transition from, you know, a, a corporate career, a successful career into something where you can have more ownership of what you want to do, your freedom, your wealth and all those sort of things. And um, and Ken helped me with that, and then we connected again in another group, and and started to get to know each other. And we went away, did we, for a weekend to see Brendan Bouchard? That was pretty. Yeah, cool. yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, um, and we've kept in touch ever since. So so Ken, let, let's let's kick off, um, and you know maybe maybe touch on on your journey into into the Tony Robbins thing as well, because you've gone all the way up to the, the highest levels of leadership there. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, let's get uh, our audience just to um, to to know you and to learn more about you.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Thank you, Nick. Um, and I'm glad to be here with you, man. I, I think, um, and this might be where you and I resonated is I got to this point in my life where Tony's got this old quote that a lot of people have heard. because It's a great one. It's success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. <laughs> and the first time I heard that, it was just like, man, did they wrote that for me because I was in this habit of, Doing really cool things. I mean, I built a business in my 20s. I sold it to a fortune 500 company. I became a millionaire. Uh, then I lost the money, then I would like earned it back. but I was just always on the grind with no finish line. And I was just addicted to more. I just wanted more. Um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs get in that trap. Um, and a lot of people that, um, you know, on kind of the Maslow's triangle, we define it as like the orange person, right? That, that it's the striver achiever, right? You get to really get hooked on this, on this thing of more. And so anyway, 2012, I leave the corporate world. I know I want something more. I start getting into leadership and leadership recruiting a little more heavily, but I'm still not in the Tony world yet. Around 2014 is when I jumped into there and, and as I started to unpack all of this, I was like, you know, there's got to be something more than just getting things. All right. Not that I was the richest man in the world, Nick, but you know, we we did well, but no matter what we did, it was never enough. And I think everybody can relate to like going back to, like when you're a kid, you go, man, if I could make 50 grand a year, that would be so awesome. Right. And then it's, 100 then it's 300 then it's like whatever it is it's never really filling us up if we don't know like what the magic ingredients you are so i got that
0: at that point i mean i mean were you sort of because i can i can connect and resonate with this were you sabotaging things because of like you know the fact that you know you're trying to get something but when you get there you weren't fulfilled so therefore you sabotage the other things around your life at that point
1: i like the path you're going on i'd say the biggest thing nick is i was having an identity crisis because on one Mm -hmm. hand i was like hardwired for my version of success which didn't mean anything because it wasn't fulfilling me right but my version of success being you know you got to make you know senior vp by this date. you got to have you know this many this much money in the bank by this date. instead of focused on fulfillment right so I'd say what that was, Nick, wasn't like a pivot in a day, right? It was more of an awakening where you go, I know I'm not happy. Like I showed up in the Tony Robbins environment, not out of inspiration. It was completely out of desperation, right? It was like, what you, I'm doing isn't working. How did you working. end
0: up there? I don't think I, I even know this story, but how, how did you first get introduced to that world?
1: so way back when like in my 20s i was listening to like tony on cassette because that's how old i am
0: uh, um, you know um, you're about the same age as me mate i don't think we're that much yeah. older i'm like 48 this week you're well, uh, i'm about 10 years older than you my man are you? almost nine oh, man, years yeah i didn't realize yeah, yeah. god you look yeah see so you look yeah. super young dude thanks brother
1: well I was listening to Tony's tape. So now you can do the math. This is like, you know, whatever 1990 or something. Right. And I'm, and I'm listening to Tony on tape and I'm like, this guy's cool, man. This guy's great. And he was sort of my online, like, you know, or not online, but on the road business education. You know, I'd be driving around seeing clients and I'm like, this guy is great. But what I used to do with self development is I would, it wasn't a place that I lived in. It was a place that I would like, order a la carte as needed, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it'd be like, sales are down, listen to a sales program, you know? Psychology is off, listen to that, you know? But I never immersed myself in anything. And But I liked it, I liked it, I dabbled. Um, and so here I am, you know, this is 10 years ago and I'm at this like crossroads and I'm like, this sucks, man, like I, I, I don't know where to go. And, and, and again, it takes me another couple of years of, of in the muck with myself Before I go, you know, Tony Robbins was pretty good for me back in the day. I think I'm going to bust those old tapes out again. And so I did. And then I never even knew about like live seminars that he had. And so not doing a big commercial for Tony, but ended up going to a live seminar in 2014. Ended up literally in that moment. I think you had a similar experience at your first one where I was like, I didn't have all the answers. I'm not saying that. But what I did know is that there were answers. You know what I mean? I knew that I wasn't alone. I knew that I wasn't broken. I knew that I could, if whatever was going on, could be fixed, and that I had everything I needed inside of me to fix it. And that was like a massive awakening. That's, an, Almost that's a like really a good distinction,
0: awakening. actually. I think. I think that yeah. was probably where I got to a little bit as well, because i was I was looking for answers of yeah. questions that I couldn't answer myself. And when I went to that first event, you know, again, like you, I, I had listened to the books mainly, uh, you know, the audio books of his books, but never taken any action. And a lot of those books are action orientated, like, you know, stop here and do something. And I never did all that, right? I <laughs> look back now. Um, but yeah, when I when I went through that, I thought, God, there there were so many different things that I can be doing. So I think for me, it was about, I, I got some hope actually that there was a different way and that exactly. was an Exactly.
1: Exactly. Hope is such a good way to describe it. Like I I left that first seminar, I remember it was in Miami or Fort Lauderdale and I stayed an extra day. And that whole next, that whole extra day, I just journaled and hope mm-hmm. is the word like, it was all just so it was really kind of joyous and, and but based on hope. And I couldn't stop writing like I was just like, okay, I can do this, I can do this. So it was like, so many things that were blocked just became unblocked. And it doesn't mean that everything was fixed magically and overnight. Again, it just means that the floodgates kind of open, allowing an opportunity to now go build something of meaning. And so the other thing that I realized, like just switching gears a tiny bit, was I was, if you listen to what I was saying, my definition of success was, prior to that it was all, it was making money, it was the big title, it was you know running huge teams of people, And again, it was never enough because it was just I was just addicted to more. And it was also based in this human need of significance, which we all have. But like my my method of getting it just wasn't great. Right. It just wasn't fulfilling. And so I kind of learned about that, too, and and started living a more, I guess, purpose filled life. I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, like like a messiah, but I'm just saying like like something where it didn't just involve me, where the goal involved something bigger, like helping others and, and that started that path.
0: Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. Cause I've been doing a little bit of um, delving into some different angles on this stuff just recently, actually. And mm-hmm. again, coming back from a long trip, like I said, you know, you have a bit of an opportunity to kind of just sit back a little bit and look at things from a different perspective. And, and the, the reflection I had, which again, I, I bring this up cause I'm just curious of your experience and this isn't a Tony thing, actually, it's a separate thing um, was, when you When you start to get an understanding of that thing that you're you're sort of being pulled towards, right? Sometimes it's called a North Star or Polaris mm-hmm. point and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you get clarity around that, then things start to really shift and And then, if you also get to understand what you value, right? the things that you know really either either you love or you hate, right? You know it's usually the polarizing things that kind of you connect with. But once you start to get clear on on the things that you value and you understand where you want to go, lots of things around then start to change, you know, Absolutely. and now you get very uncomfortable. I got very uncomfortable when I first started doing this because it was like, Oh God, I now need to make quite a lot of change. Um, right. which beforehand I was probably denying, I imagine.
1: Right. well, we get very hung up, you know, in, you and I have talked about this before, but the strongest force in the human personality is to stay consistent with our own identity. However we define ourselves, even if we're miserable, like our brain will want to keep us consistent with that identity, right? So if what I was doing wasn't working, but it was my identity. So mm. earn lots of money, buy cars, get a big house, whatever, have a big title. And it's not working, but my brain's going, yeah, but that's who you are. You know, that's, until you, you know, whatever, turn on the lights enough to change that story, your brain will continue to push you and, and lead you in that direction. And mm. so... I think that's what, whether you're reading a book, whether you're going to a seminar, whether it's Tony or whether it's somebody else, it's the, I don't wanna call it an awakening, but kind of, right? Like just the lights go on. Why am I doing what I'm doing? But the uncomfortableness that you're talking about is the rub that we have with our own personality of us taking control back over. You know, it's like the spirit taking control back over of the mind. The mind was running the show and you're like, nah, you don't really have this anymore. I'm taking it back uh thanks for all you do for me i appreciate it but i'm, I'm i've got yeah. it now you
0: know it's well, a good way of again it's a great way of expressing it that's why i wanted to get you on the show to talk about this stuff because you do articulate this stuff really really well i mean i've talked about it a little bit in my one-to-one shows when i just kind of talk about stuff but um the the depth in terms of the way you articulate it is really interesting I think, uh, thank for you man here. Thank genuinely, you. I love it. And and the, the word that you've brought up a few times is identity. And I've said on the show that you can only scale a business to the level of your identity. You can only scale your life probably as well to the level right. of your identity. How do you how do you when you think when you think about identity and you think about the shifts that you've made or the changes, how do you how do you think about that in, in terms of well, firstly how you do it and, and right. secondly secondly, you know, how do you leave who you were behind? Because that that must be God. It's
1: that's uh, such a good question, and there's layers to that question. I was just listening to Ed Mylett's podcast, uh, who I know your buddy's with, and um, they were talking about identity. And I'm like, and they were having a great talk. Him and his guest. I forgot the guest name, but they were they were getting into it. It was really good. But I kind of wish they would have got into this other level that I want to talk. And I'm not saying I know more than they do about identity. I'm just saying, had they had more time, they they may have gone here. But I think identity so we have this one thing which is our identity which is I'm uh, I'm Ken and I'm a father and I you know have two kids and I have a wife and I'm married and I have this business and whatever and maybe back in the day again it was oh and I run these big teams of people and I got a big house and like whatever like folds into that I think when you're looking at your identity you've got an overall identity like you're saying like your north star of who you are but then also I think little subset identities like who am I as a father who am I as in fit, in my health and fitness who am I financially what is my financial identity right what is my contribution identity what is my identity when it comes to love and relationships like how do I want to show up there do you know what i mean and those collective things roll up to the whole to me and so the way to start changing it, I think, number one is you've got to have a goal like you were saying earlier that pulls you towards it. So, the idea of—I keep reflecting on my own experience because it's the one I have—but but the idea of me going more, more, more. Like if a team, okay, when I get to running that team of five hundred and I'm making you know x uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, then I'll be happy. But no, you won't, right? Because I'm addicted to more. There and and it's and I'm pushing really hard towards it. You can feel it in my language even, right? It's like, I want it. I want it. I want it. And I'm and i going to try to just grab it. I'm not being pulled towards it. There's nothing spiritual about it. There's nothing like super inspirational about it. It's just me grinding towards it. And when you get there, you just got to grind again. I could have the same goal, but if I attached it to different things, it might've actually been more successful. And I might've stayed in the corporate world longer because had I been more consumed with helping others, which I was a good leader and I did a good job leading people, but that wasn't like my North Star necessarily. It was all about my ego and it was all about, I've never even really said it that way, but it really was. Mm -hmm. I've never really wanted to say that because I did take good care of my people. But unfortunately, had I made them my North Star completely, Again, I probably would have stayed, and who knows, might have become the CEO of a publicly traded yeah, so company. So difficult. This is
0: this is fascinating because I mean, and again, yeah. back to how we connected. My 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 story and yours are so aligned. Like, and I and I probably was a little bit um, naive, or it was a blind spot for me back in the day. I think now I look right. back, I can see it with absolute clarity. But when I was in there, I might have said stuff like, "Oh yeah, I'm leading these people because it's all about them. It's all about the the, the goodness of the business we're trying to create and all this other stuff." But it was really about you know significance for me massively. I just
1: wanted, like, yeah. If you looked at what I had written down, it wasn't about everybody else, you know. Uh, back then, it was it was all about me. It was all about me, and it was generally based on material things. And again, since I was addicted to more, there's never, never enough. It was like, oh, okay, cool, we did it, yay, uh, let's go do it again. And so, so it's not so much about like what I was doing at the time. That wasn't really the problem. It was like, what, what was I doing it for, right? Yeah, and. And until I realized that, so so then in realizing that, it was like, we did this exercise where it was like, go back to the earliest age that you've ever been. And your audience could even do this now on a micro scale. But, you know, what did you really wanna be when you were growing up? Like, what did you wanna be when you were five years old as an example, right? And, and what did you wanna be when you were eight years old? And I'm doing this not as an exercise, but just to give you an overview. And keep doing this throughout your life. And then can you draw any parallels to like what you wanted to be when you were 5, 10, 15, 20 years old? And for me, everything, even though these jobs were quite different, like I think at one point I wanted to be a comedian. I think at one point I wanted to. (laughs) But you know what it was? I want to make people laugh and and then it was also going back to when i was the most happiest when was the most happiest i was very happy when i was in the military when i was serving others I was so devoted just to serving like i literally just wanted to be a patriot i didn't want to be i didn't care about being recognized i wanted to be the guy that like you know i guess a I, little bit of significance but in a good way like wanted to be the guy to take that bullet for you if, if you needed it taken you know and it was always at those times and so i started realizing like i'm really geared towards contribution i just haven't been expressing it right so now na- so does that mean we have to throw all of our material objects away and like go visit the dalai lama and call it a day like no not at all but i think in what we do we've got to figure out how we're wired figure out the things that are going to fulfill us and then pick the vehicles to help get us there that are going to be consistent with that new identity why
0: did you um if i can ask why did you repress yep. it or what you know what what do you think the drivers were to repress it if if that was something that you naturally felt comfortable in
1: i I, this dawned on me a second ago because i think you and i might share this a little Mm -hmm. bit based on some talks yeah by the
0: way just for everyone listening i'm actually asking out of just massive curiosity for myself (laughs) as much as anything else because i know that you know ken's been on a similar path and and i'm as you're talking and i i was going through exactly like what at five what's it there's a couple of points in my growing up where i felt really congruence with probably where I am now, but there's a massive period in the middle where I absolutely wasn't. So that's why right. I asked the question.
1: Well, I I grew up uh, without, we didn't have a lot of money, you know? We just did not have a lot of money and you know, there was a decent amount of dysfunction in our house and things like that. And from a very young age, I mean, I don't even know why like a six-year-old would think this way, but I literally remember being six years old going, I'm not going to be like these assholes. You know, like I, literally, I was like, I'm not going to be like them. Like as soon as I get a chance to get out of this house. I mean, I, I was saying stuff like that to myself at six, seven, eight years old. Like I'm going to, we're not going to be, not, not that we were in poverty. I'm not trying to say that, but it was, it was just, a, to me, I had this money identity. Like, you know, money's a struggle. Uh, it doesn't grow from trees, you know, all those things that. And so I, I just started hardwiring myself early on to be like, man, as soon as I get a chance. Right. And so I had jobs young, like paper routes and all kinds of different things. And I was super ambitious. Like I, we one time we lived and there was some apple trees that I don't even know who they belonged to. And I just go grab all the apples off the tree, throw them in a cart, go out on the side of the street and sell them. And Everybody like, look at that cute kid in his Boy Scout uniform and they buy my apples that weren't even mine, you know, but but (laughs) but no one ever yelled at me. So I do it year after year and, you know, had jobs early on, started making my own money. And and because that was the identity I wanted to create. Right. And it served me to a certain point. So you were asking a second ago and I'm sorry, I I know we're bouncing around, but I think you were asking, what do you do with the old identity? You know, how do you bury the old identity? I don't think you do. Like the old identity gets you to where you are now. The old identity got me from not living in lower middle class uh, or or upper lower class. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it did its job. I went out and became a millionaire in my early 30s. You know, I, you know, so to a point it did its job. But the problem is if we stay with our identities, even if I stay with the one I have right now, Nick, which is a much more healthy, much more well-rounded identity, but if I never change, if I just stay with this, my soul will suffer soon (laughs) now. Do you know what I mean? Like in a couple of years it will.
0: Well, that's why I kind of asked the question because I I wanted to, um, I suppose, make it known to people listening here is that you kind of don't lose the identity. Right. Like, you know, so, so I think about, so my, my massive driver for lots of reasons is, was and is still significance. Right. Yeah. I just, um, my need for significance is different. And the way I express it now is different versus how I expressed it when I was in private equity and corporate and all that sort of stuff. Right. But I haven't got rid of it. Like, you of know, course not. It's and, built and in. I don't, and I kind of don't want to. And, and the other thing is, it's, it's just that it was so overbalanced towards me versus, you know, service and helping other people. Right. right? You can be significant and make a massive impact that helps the world. Of course. We can be significant and, you know, be greedy and, and you know, all these other things which have, you know, maybe more negative connotations. So I just wanted to make that point. I was just curious of your your journey with it or how you think about it.
1: I actually, I'm glad you're bringing this up because there's one distinction in this that I think completely sets it apart. And I think you'll, you'll completely relate to it, but here's the difference for me. I was obsessed and chasing significance before.
0: Mm.
1: Now I just have it. Oh, nice. You know what I'm saying? Now it just exists. Like people relate to it more. If you talk about love, love is also one of the human needs, Right. You ever see someone, male or female, doesn't matter, that just really wants a relationship and oh my God, like, whoa, will he call me back? Will she call me back? Right? And it's just desperate. And it's sad, because they're chasing it, right? And they're valuing it so much above everything else that it's just kind of sad. And the universe, I don't feel like, you know, will will provide uh, when you're chasing and when you're coming from a place of scarcity. And so my need for significance before was coming from a place of scarcity. When you think about it, it was like, mm-hmm. I'm not significant enough. Give me more. Okay, here's some more. It's not enough. Give me more. Here's some more. You know, and you're just in that trap. Now it's just like, no, man, like I, I know what I'm doing is making an impact. I'm proud of the work that we do. I'm proud of the team that I have. And we, of course, make mistakes and all of that. But am I significant? Of course. Do I care about significance? Of course. I just, I'm just no longer chasing it like I was
0: before. Yeah that is a, that is an excellent distinction <clears throat> that's an excellent distinction because I think it's you're right this idea of needy is creepy right <laughs> yeah and, and if you if you're too fixated on any one thing you know use the word obsessed before um it can take you it can it can really put blinkers on right around yes. everything else and that, and I find again as you're talking I'm just reflecting I found that when I was chasing uh titles money cars houses whatever um, the things that were suffering around me were relationships, you know, in work, outside of work, really close relationships, and I, I didn't really have any awareness, you know. I, I think maybe, right. maybe, maybe I sort of did at a deep level, but I was kind of just not, not watching it. But I, my sort of conscious mind was was clouded.
1: Right. Well, Nick, I also think there's different times where, again, it served you. So if you took someone at 25 years old and they're just starting a company and they've got to put food on the table they've got to get out of debt they've got to do you know all these different things that maybe describes kind of where we were in our early 20s but that that's the time to maybe double down on this success thing right we're gonna be out of balance at different times in our life i don't expect someone at 25 who hasn't done anything yet to go like you know what, man, I just want to live a balanced life and contribute to everybody and love and rainbows and butterflies, you're almost like, hey, get to work, man. Like, like, you gotta, you got some work to do. So again, it's, it's not shame to the old self. It's not, you know, oh, I wish I wasn't that way. I'm glad I'm not still that way. Because again, that way stopped working. If I I was going to encourage anybody on anything of where to take a look at this, it would be, are you happy? I mean you know and, and i'm not talking about every single day but i mean in general are you happy and if you're not take a look at the things you're valuing to see if you need to shake it up a little bit i mean i think we all just have to keep doing that on a consistent basis and in what you're you know what your audience is doing especially where people are really geared towards growing and scaling up their businesses right it's like there needs to be a new identity every time you know, I mean, if you're constantly setting records, you're constantly going to a place you've never been before, more than likely, unless you've built another business. And that requires you not only to have a different skill set, but more importantly than that, skill sets can be picked up very easily. Mindsets can't. And so, you know, every single time you're, you know, you're going to take your company from 10 million to 50 million, totally different mindset, 50 to 100, totally different mindset. And again, the skills, so ridiculous like anybody can teach you the other stuff if you can teach yourself that you now belong in that league you know what i mean
0: yeah it's a well you know again i want to talk a little bit more now about the business side of things Um, yeah we've talked a lot about personal leadership actually so if people are kind of going what the hell are those guys talking about we're talking about personal leadership actually we're talking about how you lead yourself you know how you manage your state um you know how you have awareness of the different things that affect you uh, how in tune you are to that and then obviously there's a whole heap of things you can start to to put in practice around that to to make shifts but I want to talk about um, business leadership because we talked about you and how we met and all that and, mm-hmm. and you know people probably don't know exactly what you do <laughs> right and so let's kind of get into the work side the career side of you Ken because you work with high level leaders um, and your I suppose experience in business leadership is you know right up there so you know please give the, um, the listeners a flavor of that
1: yeah so the, so when I did leave the corporate world I got into leadership recruiting um it was in my wheelhouse it made a lot of sense uh, one of my favorite things about being in a large corporation was finding and developing talent so um as I left I was like okay what are the parts that I want to keep which by the way goes back to this identity thing what 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 is serving me from my old identity and I'm like oh I love finding talent, spotting it, um, and, and working with people. I love those relationships and, and, um, and I love that work. So I got into that, um, very easy for us to kind of get into the corporate world and start doing that because of my background. And so we were successful in that. And then in the last few years, we really got more focused on senior level leadership. So, you know, and again your audience uh, you know i'm assuming in in the scale up world because i've been following you since you started you know you've got people of all business sizes but yeah. when you start your company and it's just you and you know you're working out of your your own house or whatever and then you get out there and you got a few employees and then maybe you got a few more and at a certain point you start hiring other leadership help right where we come in is later companies normally doing like $30 million to say up to maybe a billion is kind of our sweet spot. Now, we have bigger corporate clients that are as high as, you know, 40, 50 billion in revenue, but but we're not doing necessarily C-suite stuff for them. Right. But we like doing C-suite placements and really helping founders and existing leaderships understand where they are and what they need in terms of leadership to get to, to the next level. Sometimes it can be an identity change. It can be as simple as that, like what we're talking about. Sometimes it can't be because you don't have the skill set for it, right? And so sometimes you got to bring someone else in if if you're the owner. With owners, it happens a lot. They either don't want to do that, you know, they don't. They've they've gotten it so far. They'd rather hand it to somebody else. That's where we'll come in. Um, or it's a skill set thing. One of, one of the two,
0: you know. This is this is a this is a perfect conversation to have right now with some of the stuff that um that I've been working on personally because. I've been talking a lot about. Um, I call it exits, but exits um, are not necessarily someone selling their business, right? It's, right. Sometimes it's about you stepping out of the CEO role, right? You right. realizing that you have to bring someone in to run your company, um, and you might just be the investor, or you might sit on the board, or something like that. When you're helping that whole area with someone, like you're helping someone make that change. What sort of things are you focused on? What sort of things are either the challenges for them or the things that you feel you have to kind of assist with?
1: Well, big question, because, I mean, I think for me, like, I really want to know, you know, how they start. I want to know their story. I need to know their story, not, not maybe their personal story, but definitely their company story. How did, how did it start? How did it evolve? Where are they now? Where are the pain points? Um, A lot of times the owner is the chokehold on the business, you know, that a lot of times it's really them. And a lot of times they know that by the time they're talking to me, right? They're, they're going like, I I get it. Like, you know, I don't know how to get completely out of it. And so that's what we're really talking about. Each business is a little bit different. So, um, you know, one that I can think of that I've been working with a lot lately, replacing a lot of C-level people is just literally once we establish a relationship and establish trust, it's like, okay, let's look at the whole org chart and let's just talk about who's there. And it's not about like, okay, you guys are out of here or anything like that. It's people that helped you build the company need exit strategies too. If if they want to leave or jobs, if they're going to stay, if the company takes it to the next level or goes public or whatever it's going to do. So it's more about just assessing the entire org chart and going, who, who do you have here? You know, so take sales, take marketing, take operations, take IT, whatever. And just who do you have? Where are they? Where are their strengths and weaknesses? Let's completely assess them. Is it fair? Have they gotten the right leadership? Where can they go? And a lot of times what you'll find with with companies by the time they call me is they feel sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, but they feel like existing leadership is maxed out in a certain department or in multiple departments and yet the growth is still there so you start seeing things break down right like you start seeing sales orders not get filled you start seeing customer service drop you start seeing all the things that make a great startup start to fail because you know the very thing they were built on which was you know having this really cool identity or awesome customer service or whatever it is is now starting to to weaken or crumble under leadership that's under stress
0: is that, is that? So let's just go a little bit deeper onto that. Is that because the business has changed and evolved so much that, I mean, it's, it's really a question about skill set versus mindset here. Is there a point where the business, you know, someone who was great at startup, say in a certain role, is just not the person who has the capability to necessarily take it once the business is going through those stages you mentioned?
1: It depends. I mean, most entrepreneurs are not great executives and, and they don't want to be. I mean, if you really ask them what they wanted, they have trouble letting it go sometimes because it was their baby. But a lot of entrepreneurs, I mean, a true entrepreneur would just be like when they'd always be talking about exit strategy. You know, they'd always be they'd be like because that's the reason to be in a business is to make money. That That's how an entrepreneur thinks an executive leader. Thinks more about how do we build this? How do we create an awesome culture? How do we make sure the company endures for 50 years? That's more your executive leader. One of the biggest things a founder has to do is figure out who am I in this equation? Yeah. And more times than not, if you're the founder of the business, you, you, you might be. Um, an entrepreneur type and you might need to bring in a leader manager to take your business away, not away from you but to run it better than you're going to run it yeah. and that's a hard thing to say like that's for business owners that's a really hard thing
0: to say I you recognize know, that, that a lot I recognize that a lot and um, I use the visualization of um, a rocket you know there's a point where you know when the rocket takes off and it gets out of the atmosphere there's a, there's a few things that fall off the rocket that aren't needed anymore right and, and in some cases mm-hmm. i sort of explained that to the the entrepreneur the entrepreneur needs a hell of a lot of energy right to get that 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 business you know up to a certain level but there's right. a certain level where that energy is not needed anymore that that sort of creative ability is changing and there's it's more about sustainability and systems and all these sort of things which is definitely not the superpower of a lot of those entrepreneurs but you are right the the recognition point um the great entrepreneurs get it actually and you can see the great entrepreneurs of our time get it because they they bring people in once they get to that point but a lot of the ones who have never experienced that before struggle with it i see anyway
1: (sighs) Well, when you see the great ones, I mean, we we're talking about like the super elite group that everybody's heard of. Most people can't do it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or they be in that super elite group because they exactly. could do it. Because nice if they could do it once, they do it over point. and over again. Yeah, so. And then it comes back to why aren't you letting it go? And then it might come back to the personal stuff, which is why we started it. It's like, well, who am I if I'm not the head of this company? Who am I if I don't show up every day and I'm the big boss man and I got the front, you know, the parking spot by the front door and everybody thinks I'm cool. Like, do I just leave? Do I just go home now? Like, what the hell do I do, right? So personal, that's why, why the personal identity plays into it so much is why are you here? What are you doing it for? Are you the best person to actually take it forward? And if not, then just what are the next steps, you know, it it might might be a slow, no, it's okay. It might be a slow roll. It might, it might not be, you know, Hey, it doesn't mean it has to be broken. It just might be like, it's time for a change. And maybe that's a slow roll. That might be a handoff over the course of a year or two. You know. well, it
0: can be it can be a handoff over over long because the the interesting thing I've been looking at recently is um with people particularly the baby boomers who are retiring and have businesses mm-hmm. and they're looking at exit strategies and I've been doing quite a lot of work on this you know just getting into into um the the amount of wealth that is transferring right now because of that you know the age transition of baby boomers and what's interesting is the number one reason why a business that's been going for over thirty years doesn't sell. Is guess what? What do you think the number one reason is? The owner won't sell it. Right. <laughs> Probably, yeah. No, no, it's owner's cold feet. Yeah. For one reason, identity. Yeah. Because they haven't they haven't planned that that what I call that next act or that compelling future to step into, and their identity is so tied up for twenty to thirty years in this thing that they've created that, right. that, that you know they, they they have no idea what to do right, and that feeling right. of loss, like real loss, yeah. is the reason why they don't do it. Which makes sense so no, when you hear it but you know you've got to be brave to really pack you know get into that a little bit it's too.
1: so easy to look at like when you're standing on the side you go oh my god you're just clinging to something and it's so obvious right it's so obvious when it's someone else right but if it's you if you're that person mm. again it's your identity going back to the strongest Force in the human personality stay consistent with our own identity. So, I'm Ken, head of Ken's Tire Emporium, or whatever. Right? Yeah, it's like it's that sort of thing. <laughs> it's like that. I'm that guy, and you know, I, I, I'm Big Ken, and I come in here every day, and everybody gives me a high five, and like you know, so you got to do the work on yourself to 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 make it work. For the true entrepreneurs, again, they will get it, and then it just becomes a matter of, um you know, assessing the team you know, piece by piece and where are you gonna make the biggest impact and, and where do you go first to do that. And so that's what we really help them do. And then we bring in we'll help them assess to the degree that they want us to, uh, but then we're true headhunters where it'll be like, okay, we're looking for a chief financial officer with an MBA in finance and da 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 da, right? Like so, um or a masters in finance, excuse me. Yeah. But um and then we'll go out and find that exact person, uh, you know, do the pre-interviews with them, get them set up with their team and get them through the process.
0: Great. No, very, yeah. very good. All right. What I want to do, um, as we start to sort of wrap up a bit is is sure. just talk a little bit more about, um, you know, you've obviously met, assessed, found, placed, um, helped, you know, lots of different leaders. Uh, are there any characteristics that you think are absolutely fundamental to great leadership? And some other characteristics, which are absolute derailers. Yeah.
1: I mean, sometimes, I mean, not to do a cop out, but sometimes it's the complete opposite of the thing you want. Right. But I mean, two things, you got to put people ahead of your own goals. I mean, you just do, you have to put people first, especially in, I mean, you see what's happening right now, like with, with. Money being thrown around to keep people on board, money being thrown around to get And it's just like, it's just this flow of money and it's like, grab their hearts and it won't happen. Right? Like they, they won't leave.
0: That's a, quote. Um, <laughs> That's a great question.
1: Yeah. Well, it's almost like someone blaming a online dating site for their wife or husband cheating on them. And it's like, well, maybe it was a relationship, right? Like that was just the vehicle. So don't get mad at the other employer or the recruiter for taking your person that wasn't satisfied with what they had going on. So. I'd say people first. I would say I am I am always looking for is this person in growth mode, like anybody that we hire, anybody that we place. And meaning that, you know, I mean, I think it's self-explanatory, but I'm really looking for like what are they reading right now? What are they learning right now? Can they if I ask someone, people are so hardwired to talk about their accomplishments, right? So be like, oh, especially in interviews, right? You got to make it look good. So it's like, all right, Nick, you know, tell me. And, you know, the end part of you being a mergers and acquisitions and uh, private equity and all that. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, and I close this deal and I close that deal and I close that deal. And now I know you're good at this, but a lot of people aren't. I then immediately, I get them on this track where they tell me about five or six or seven things in a row. And it's just like the Nick Bradley show, right? And I'm pumping them up. Then I'll just go, well, tell me the last thing that was just a massive failure for you. And they just freeze normally and they'll go and, and, and I'll give them a second. Cause I get that. I'm like completely switching the line of questioning, mm, but it's clever. Yeah. But if they can't tell me like, and cause I could literally answer that question, not because I know, but I mean, I'd be like, what time frame are we looking at? Like, do you want to know my biggest mistake today? Do you want to know my biggest mistake? Cause I can give you lots. Right. But, but the whole idea is like, if, if someone can't understand not only where they're winning, but like where they're challenged and where there's opportunities. Then they're done growing. I mean, you've you've gotten them at their peak, and they're going to be difficult to coach, difficult to work with. So, I'm looking for great people, leaders. I'm looking for people that, um, that are in constant growth mode, that are just always curious. You know, that are just just on fire with a desire to learn.
0: Yeah, I love that. And 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 you know, again, that explanation again of 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 being truthful. Um, there's an authenticity point there too, isn't it? Someone who kind of yes. You know, they might be in growth mode but they also understand who they are
1: yeah well like to me that is my superpower someone said what's your superpower i'd be like that i'm always growing i mean what's better than that what's better to go that every day i'll get better mm. every day i'll get better if i'm in growth mode it doesn't mean i won't screw up i'll definitely be screwing up but I'll be getting better because of it, because I'm in growth mode. So as long as I stay in growth mode, I'll be better. If you call me in a year, I'll be a better version of myself in a year because I'll, because I'll be growing. I'll have a year of experience under my belt. But if someone doesn't have that, then then we're done. And and so you asked for a couple of things that would be like immediate knockouts. I think for me, I mean, just on, on a hard skill standpoint, um, I think too much jumping around is bad. Um, no jumping around can sometimes be bad too. It's hard to take someone with 25 years from a from a company. Uh, not that that's a knockout to me, but again, identity. What is it, what's the, what's the depth
0: behind that? So if someone obviously is jumping around a lot, that, that shows, you know, again, from your words, it shows what a lack of not committing to something or? I, I think, especially in senior leadership positions, it's like, how did you really get traction
1: there, yeah. it depends on what they were brought in to do. I mean, if you're brought in for a one-year turnaround project, that's completely different, you know. But if it was, if the intention was, it was a long-term play, and you were only there for a year and a half, and that happens once, okay, whatever, no big deal. If that's happened three out of your last four jobs, it's a red flag to me. Or yeah. It's certainly a, a a very screaming yellow flag at a minimum, right? I'm going to want to dive into that. Um, the other one is again, if the you know, so again, the opposite of what we were talking about. Like, if you can't talk about your weaknesses, then, then, I'm going to be ending the call real quick. You know, I'll be like, whoop, and time. Like, let's let's call it a Particularly day. Particularly
0: in senior leadership, I find. I know you could you could argue this should be across the board, but I remember when I was very very junior in my first kind of couple of corporate roles, there was the you know, tell us about your weaknesses question, and and yeah. I remember preparing like a. I look back now and think it's a crappy answer, but you'd always try and turn the weakness into a positive. Like, oh, I did this, but then it was like, but, but, like, you know, when I've interviewed senior people and I've been interviewed, certainly in the in the the CEO roles I did in private equity, I was just really honest, like, like yeah. super honest. Like, yeah, well, the reason I'm not there anymore is because I got in a massive fight with another senior leader, right, <laughs> and right. and and we just didn't get on, right, and we right. tried really hard, but you know, when you're in that situation where there's a lot to, lot at stake and there's a lot of you know, competition and stuff like that. One person's gonna win, one person isn't. I didn't win.
1: Well, then you came back you came back too and you talked about it, it it just tells me that you're like an honest person. And people can work with they already know what you notice I'm not even talking about like hard hard set skills, like must no, no, no. have, da-da-da-da-da. Because again, that's just a list of items that people must have. And if you're like you know, if you're in the job that I do, we've already screened out for that by the time we're on the phone. So when we're talking about tell me about a time when you failed and we're talking about it with a hundred thousand dollar year person, of course, that might be just something really small. Like, you know, it, but if I'm talking to somebody that's running a billion dollar company, it can be like, oh, my God, like we initiated a rewards program that was, you know, cost three million dollars to kick off. It was supposed to have an ROI of 20 million and uh, it produced one point five. And it was my baby, and I was told uh, by other senior leaders. You know, they gave me some advice that I decided not to take, but I ran with it anyway because I was being headstrong. And I'd be like, "Okay, cool. What'd you learn from that?" You know, and if they're like, "I "I definitely need to open my ears much more," and I have since then, and here's some examples of that. You know what I mean? And I'm like, "Okay, cool." Like, and then understanding our clients and their culture and figuring out how that fits in, right? Yeah, nice, nice,
0: nice, nice. What's your um? What's your company called, Ken?
1: Oh, the Leaders Lab, and I have a podcast by the same name. Uh, you've been on it, um, but I know you didn't know what the recruiting company was called. I know that. No, well, um, I sort so
0: of, I wasn't sure exactly. So yeah, it was. It was. It was called
1: uh, back in the day. It was called something else. So we during COVID we rebranded. We were like one of those businesses that got you know temporarily stopped and uh, we used that moment really to pause and get more into the, some of the c-suite uh, development change the name of the company um, and, and march forward and we're doubling the business this year and hope to do it again in 2023 Awesome. It's great
0: to hear that you're having that success. And it's such a, I mean, particularly now there's so much things going on in the world. You know, a lot of, I see more fear out there these days than perhaps we've seen in some time driven probably because of the pandemic, but also, you know, there's the backlash of everything else post that, right? Travel. And then you've got kind of economies and things like that. And I think, you know, the, the need of leadership right now is massive, right? You You know
1: what I'm I'm learning through what you're talking about is, is we 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 would have always said that leaders that can adapt to change or, you know, I mean, that's an important thing and important yeah. leadership. Now it's like these whipsaw change, changes, right? So it was like COVID and the stock market plummeted, right? And then it started coming back and then it was just ferocious. And then the government threw $6 trillion in it. So then inflation, can, you know, and, that, and it's just these massive, And I, I think steady Eddie wins the race right now, right? It doesn't mean complacent. It just means like it's all gonna chill out at some point you know it's sort of like 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 when we see bitcoin hit sixty six thousand dollars it's not a surprise that that's probably going to come back down just because how fast it went back up you know what i mean and and it'll probably come back up eventually if it's a viable currency whatever like but it's nothing's ever going to be the way it is today right and so what we're seeing right now is just sometimes 10 years worth of change happening in six months in a particular industry or in particular thing and i think our ability to just kind of be like okay that's interesting you know what i mean like and not get freaked out not really get rattled by it i i think those people are going to be successful i mean how much doom and gloom in there was in in the world in march april of 2020 i know there's a lot right now but if you look at the fear index in march april 2020 and you look at it now it's quite a bit different right
0: so but you know what i i think about this stuff quite a bit because i i'm i'm pleased by the fact that i don't get too swayed by this stuff <laughs> i right. don't uh, but i but i'm very attuned to seeing other people get um get swayed by it and i suppose my belief around it is that success is and always has been a game of attrition right by that The people who who stick around and are successful are not necessarily the smartest people they're not necessarily the people who have kind of you know got the best education here and there they're the people who just don't stop or give up right Right. and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean going faster that just means keeping on going (laughs)
1: Well, it's the it's the mindset again, if you if you can keep from freaking out, then you can stay in this mindset of growth. If you stay in this mindset of growth while everybody else is freaking out, then, like you said, attrition is going to happen. Cool example. There was a guy on, on my podcast and we were just talking about a similar subject. And I said, look, I live in New York City now. Beginning of the pandemic, one of the first things to get shut down was restaurants. Right. You couldn't eat in public. Right. This is all over the world. So everybody can relate. Well, New York City came back and said, you know, um, we, we want to see the dining, you know, the restaurants come back. So we'll allow them to start opening up the sidewalks, much like you see in Europe, right? So really cool, like sidewalk dining in, in New York. Well, by then, half the restaurants had already like hung up their like we're out of business side. Do you know what I mean? And, and the guys that got the free sidewalk access now that in some cases tripled the amount of tables they could put out. Are raking in all the profits right, that is a
0: great example of exactly what yeah. i said right exactly yeah. that Man.
1: i love it i mean i i, I literally want to go in sometimes and just go like wait to like stay on course dude because you'll see a guy with a five table restaurant now has 25 tables because they stayed in and just and just hung with it
0: you know yeah well this I, I definitely i'm gonna i'm gonna think about the topic of this or the title of this episode and there's gonna be some mindset stuff in it for sure you know it's cool. um it's great, but listen, I just want to thank you, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for the help that you've given me um, over the years. And man, it's great to see you absolutely in your zone now with the stuff you're doing around leadership and your business. Um, I'm you know, massively um, proud to call you a mate and it's great yeah. to have on the show.
1: Well, it's such a mutual feeling, Nick. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll be talking real soon, I'm sure. Absolutely, see you, man. All right, take care, buddy.
0: Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.